We are the tribe from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating all rivals never gets old. Making our way to the Big Sky Conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. Welcome back, Tribe Tribe from the North Brave and Bold to the official unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals and the Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I know already got rust out of the way. Like I'm your host, Brian Marceau, guys. We're back from the Tubs of Club four-week break. Joined by fellow co-host Dallas Hammer, holding it down Spokane. Dallas, how's it been having a few weeks off? He's not here right now. He uh, is his computer blue screen. For the love of God. Okay. Well, we'll get that. Oh, he's back. He's back. He's back. Okay. Uh, Dallas, you are allegedly back. Uh, apparently, there's a blue blue screen at your home. Yes. Um, for anybody that is a computer nerd, the blue screen of death is not fun. Uh, and it happened to me earlier today. Thought I had the computer back and working. And I dropped out. So when I inevitably drop out in the next 20 minutes, I apologize for the three people that care about the things I have to say. Yeah, well, look, uh, Dallas, you opened up your, with your computer not working. I opened up stumbling through an intro I've read 600 times. Thank God we have a guest with us. Joined for the first time, other than producer Martin Hamstra, only down in Moscow. Glad to have you, Martin. Hello. We're joined for the first time by Andrew Alamey, former, former club pro at the University of Idaho golf course. Is that correct, Andrew? That's right. Yeah, I just moved on a week ago, but uh, always going to be a vandal. I'm pumped to talk some uh, some new stuff today. Yeah, Andrew has been uh, a guy that we message with and talk with uh, a decent amount. Started with football like everything always starts with football, but Andrew is pretty big into basketball as well. Uh, one of the more knowledgeable guys that we could get on here also uh, – you know, Andrew, tell me if you are if this is correct, uh, based off of your previous employment prior to moving on to your old works now in Anaconda, Montana. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Old works now in Anaconda, Montana. You may have some insight into coaching, coaching staff, departmental stuff that maybe Dallas and I don't have. Yeah, maybe a little bit. I mean, I think there's definitely a yeah, a bit of frustration around campus with the, the the basketball team, but I mean, obviously, like the recruits that are coming in. I know we'll talk more about that, but um, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely the elephant in the room as far as men's basketball is. You know what's going on? Yes, uh, we refer to it here as vegetables, based off of a beloved listener, Rack of Tits, referring to uh, Rack of Tits. My bad. Again, another screw up. Beloved listener, Rack of Tits sixty nine on Twitter. <laughs> Um, referencing that I am forcing Vandal basketball to, down on people, just like parents force vegetable vegetables on their kids. And you know what? You're goddamn right I am. But before we get to the basketball stuff, we're going to jump right into Around the Bar, brought to us by Hughes River Expedition. We have some, we have some pretty big football news, Dallas, which I'm just going to throw it to you uh, because we, this is going to be a pretty big discussion item. It's something that, Listeners have been waiting to hear a lot about. If you're in our Only Tubs dis Discord, hashtag, uh, I, I like, again, just stumbling through stuff. Hashtag Only Tubs, patreon.com backslash tubs at the club. Man, we need to not take breaks. Dallas going to throw it to you. Save me from drowning. We have football news. 
we do have football news. We're going to play, play games this year. That's the news. No, really. We might we might have a new quarterback joining the Vandals this year. Uh, as Can I pause? The- it's not it's not might. We don't. It, this just hasn't been announced. It's not a might. It's this is going to happen. Well, because people have a tendency to clip the things I do and say on camera, I'm going to use the word might. You can talk in in severes, but I'm going to use the word might until it's official. Uh, he does have some experience with Eck. Uh, he does have injury history, uh, which is obviously a problem we're dealing with now. But bearing the lead here, Jabore Gibbs is supposedly transferring to Moscow, Idaho. Uh, for those of you who follow the FCS religiously, you're probably aware of who Jabore Gibbs is. Uh, you can see on the screen here. Uh, thank you, producer Martin. Uh, Jabore Gibbs played for the South Dakota State Jackrabbits when Jason Eck was the offensive coordinator there. Very interesting story out of Gibbs. As he redshirted his first year, he was named the starter. His second year uh, as a redshirt freshman, played six games and got hurt, and we really haven't seen him since. So I'll kick it back to you, Brian. What do you think about the news that Jabore Gibbs is coming to Idaho? Brian, you're muted. Man, we are rusty. I'm going to put myself on the shelf, throw it right to Andrew. Andrew, look, we had uh, Coach Luke Schleisner on our show saying – Look, Idaho is looking for experience in the quarterback room. We we have a guy who's we're just this is a formality waiting for the announcement at this point. Andrew, you heard that uh, Jaboria Gibbs is coming to Idaho. What's your reaction? Yeah, I mean it's it's exciting news. I think uh, it's not a secret from the spring game and from what I've heard from people around the football staff is that you know the team is rock solid outside of the quarterback position. It's definitely not because they don't have enough people to look at. So. Um, yeah, there's not a whole lot of film on him outside of those five, six games. Uh, in high school, you know, his throwing motion looks a little bit kind of Tim Tebow-ish over the top. So I'm sure that's something that's been corrected. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, he's definitely got the talent. His It seems like his highs are high, and hopefully his lows can be minimized with some good coaching and, and all of that. But, yeah, it's definitely positive news, and uh, the fact that he worked with Eck is only, is only good. Yeah, in his time at South Dakota State, again, Dallas referenced it, uh, 2019 is when he last saw some pretty regular action, and it's been injury issues, which uh, we'll, we'll probably circle back there. But in 2019, started first six games. His sixth game against North Dakota State, he threw five total passes, so I'm going to pretend that game didn't really exist. In five starts, threw for 1,000, just, just under 1,058 yards, so averaging right around 200 yards per game in five starts, 10 touchdowns, four interceptions, 59% completion percentage. My, the thing that we're going to have to find out is of course, the fact that Gibbs is here doesn't mean he's going to automatically start. He is here to compete for a starting spot. But if the Gibbs who transferred to university of Idaho is the Gibbs of 2019, then we just had what is probably like, immediately the second or third best quarterback in the big sky transfer to Idaho. So one, this is nothing but a win. The coaching staff wanted to get a grad transfer in to compete for spot. Hey, they got a grad transfer from a good FCS program. It's also look, Andrew, you said it, the quarterback room. And again, if Schleisner's on our show saying, Hey, we're going to recruit another guy. Like this isn't a secret. That position has to get better than what we saw in the spring. They got their guy. 
This is a guy who there's no reason to think he's not competing for a starting spot. This is, again, to me, nothing but a win for Idaho football. We are now hoping that uh, the neat, the version of Jabori Gibbs we get is closer to the health, is closer to what he was when he was healthy in 2019 because two knee injuries, Dallas is, this is not a minor deal. Yeah, so just some some backstory for everybody. So back in 2019, college game day went to North Dakota for North Dakota State, South Dakota State. Jabore Gibbs was the quarterback of South Dakota State when ESPN finally determined that, hey, these two teams are on a on a warpath. It's time to go down. It's time to showcase the FCS a little bit. Jabore Gibbs was the quarterback. Going into that game, he threw five passes and got hurt and then has, has not been seen really since. Uh, injured his right knee uh, against North Dakota State. Then in the 2021 spring, because again, COVID canceled the 2020 season, come back to the 2021 spring. He got into two games, saw 16 snaps, and got hurt again, another knee injury. I couldn't confirm if it was the same knee. Hopefully somebody smarter than me is already in the comments telling us that. Uh, but then he missed all of last season with the same injury. So we're I'm the, I'm always the wet blanket here, but I'm really going to be the wet blanket here. We don't know if we're going to get Gibbs from 2019. So don't freak out just yet that this is the move that's going to push Idaho into the playoffs. We don't know what he's going to look like. He has hardly played in two and a half years. We have CJ, who, again, unfortunately, injury history. Geo apparently played better in the spring out of anybody else. And then everybody else is pretty untested. So we still have question marks. We're just we're adding more darts into the room, which is a great thing. But I do want to temper expectations thinking he's going to come in here and play just like 2019. I hope it happens, and I hope he proves everybody wrong. I think that that might be a stretch to to anticipate, at least in the first couple games where he's got he's he's been off of football for two and a half years. He's got to have some time to kind of re relearn how to play when he hasn't he hasn't been out there in years. Which Andrew, he of course has that time right now in terms of rehabbing and heading into what will be the fall camp. Yeah, I think the flip side of that is he's had two and a half years to hopefully learn, study, work out. Um, obviously, not just be 18, 19 years old anymore. That you know that has a has a factor. And I don't know about you guys, but it feels like it's a two man competition with with CJ. And if um, you know Jabari comes on as as we're as we're uh, you know as you guys are reporting, so yeah, it feels like a two man competition. Very similar characteristics as how they run the ball. Um, so I think they're kind of telling us what direction they want to go. And it's just a matter of who wins that. And I mean, yeah, you can't give six, seven, eight guys reps. So, I mean, whether it's Gio or CJ or even Jabari, someone's going to kind of be left out once, you know, um, the season rolls around, they start practicing. So it'll be interesting to, to see the first couple of practices, who's getting the reps and who in their minds is the number one, number two, number three, because it's not going to be hard to tell early on. No, it's not. And, just uh, as a bracket for, for us, Andrew, to close out the spring, Jason X said flat out of the current roster, Giovanni McCoy is 1A right now. If the season were to start today, CJ is a little bit behind, but it's close and yeah. it's obviously not done. Uh, we, of course, have no idea where Jabari Gibbs would be in this lineup because he, this is new information. But uh, to add a little bit more context to why – I think people should be stoked about this. And, you know, look, Dallas, you're right. Asterisk has to be healthy. But Jabori Gibbs in his five, look, in his five starts, I'm not counting North Dakota State. Again, he played like 14 seconds. Did throw for 70 yards in five attempts against North Dakota State. But 
he has a pretty good output against real teams. I mean, he threw for just under 200 yards against University of Minnesota. That's a Big Ten Minnesota. Had no problem walking over Southern Utah, which, hey, a lot of teams do that. But look, again, Idaho needs to get more offensive production. That's more evidence. FCS, he, he's been solid. All those other FCS games are against Missouri Valley Conference teams. There's wins against Southern Illinois, Youngstown State, and Indiana State. So as far as what the guy did when healthy, it was nothing but produce at a pretty solid rate. Again, averaging right around 200 yards per game. The thing I'm going to pivot to here is just so we're thorough. There's also a fourth quarterback that we just haven't seen anything out of yet. Rich Dutchikal will be a freshman. If you've seen pictures of Rich, uh, looks like a pretty good athlete, real good size. I mean, he has a picture on Twitter post of him. He's a bit taller than Kurt Warner. So we're, we know nothing yet about Ridge, but that guy is not out of the discussion yet. We just haven't seen him play. Closing thoughts on what this means, Dallas, as far as uh, expectations for Idaho football. Because I guess I'm going to say I'm like some of our comment threads. If this, if Gibbs is the guy and if he pans out, honestly, we just shored up. We may have just shored up one of the biggest question marks heading into the fall. The next biggest question mark is when we get the slew of linemen recruits that we know X has been going after. That's the big one for me. Uh, I think it really isn't going to matter much who the quarterback is until the line is fixed. Uh, just I know there's not a lot of depth there. I know X got his hands full, uh, kind of turning some of that stuff around. Obviously, there's a bunch of, bunch of really good pieces there. Uh, I think Hallbeck's going to be really good. Uh, St. John and Floyd are obviously fantastic. Uh, but I think with those other spots, they're still just just trying to figure out how it's all going to gel together. So that that is a that is a problem. But Gibbs has played six games in 2019. He's already redshirted, but the 2021 spring, he'll be able to get a medical redshirt for that. He played 16 snaps. He has the COVID year. He could have many, many years here at Idaho, just, just the way that it's kind of all worked out. This guy could be the the quarterback of the future. I think we're all super high on CJ. We all think really highly of Ridge. Uh, again, Geo has definitely shown that he can he can perform at this level. Maybe a little bit too young last year and, and had to work through some growing pains, but we have a bunch of guys in here that are really young and really good. This is just another guy. He's going to come in, obviously, much older than the rest of these guys, but he it doesn't mean he's going to be here as a one-year hired gun. He could be here for a while. He could be the guy. Who knows? I, I'm very excited about it. I, If I you know, gun to my head, I'd have to say I think Jabore ends up winning this job because he does have considerably more experience and he knows Eck. He, he's obviously been around X offense for quite a long time, but remains to be seen. And I, I left Andrew just as I heard the phone go, in the, go off in the background. Sorry about that, Andrew. No, no, that's, that's, that's my fault. But um, I agree with you. I mean, I think obviously there's a lot of unknown going into this season, but I mean, the variance is pretty large as, you know, whether a four-win team or, you know, an eight, nine, ten-win team. But I think this signing can at least give you some hopes and dreams of it being, you know, a deep playoff run, big sky, you know, championship contention. Uh, didn't feel that way before this signing. You know, 2019 Gibbs kind of makes your eyes light up on this team, like you said, if they get the line shirt up. But um, yeah, it's it's exciting news. There's no other way really to to go about it. So yeah, I guess we'll we'll know early on in the practice uh, when it starts. But yeah, it does give you some some big thoughts. Yeah, if this pans out, look again. This is speculation because the best information we know is exactly what Schleisner said on the show. They're going to recruit a transfer to compete, 
and they wanted more experience. Hey, they got it. But if this pans out, this this is a big deal for Idaho. We Dallas already touched on the line part. Obviously, we need that. But questions we had in, in the spring was how does the offense look a, look a bit stronger? Well, we may, like if, if Gibbs pans out, we just answered part of how that changes. We're going to shift now to basketball talk. But before that, have to hit the ad read while we have some listeners. Hughes River Expedition. And man, speaking of rust, man, I'm, I, I know I'm going to butcher this. So you're welcome, Colin Hughes, for the sponsorship. So Hughes River Expedition been sponsoring the show for quite, for quite a while. And their ad read text is not. There it is. If you're looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation, don't look past your backyard. Venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental U.S. located right here in the great state of Idaho. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the middle fork of the Salmon, the main Salmon River No Return, Salmon River Canyons, or the Selway. And you can even check out special trips like the one to see the Persed Meteor Shower. Camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, take in the history along the river, and fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the country. You just bring your clothes, let HRE handle the rest. Hughes River Expeditions has been vandal owned and operated since 1976 and ready to take you on the vacation of a lifetime. What are you waiting for? Find out what it's like to grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the gem state. Call them now at 800-262-1882 or check them out at HughesRiver.com. And side note, uh, again, man, we are just, I am just stumbling through the rust. Uh, Martin, got to pull you in. You got you to gotta give a quick response to the quarterback news. I'm excited for it. It's it's new and it brings more competition. There's nothing wrong with more competition in these things. You heard it here first, guys. Competition is a good thing. We which sorry, that's not a joke. I mean, because Martin said exactly what our understanding is. New we need new blood. This is not going to hurt the team whatsoever. We're going to shift now to the bath to basketball news because we actually have we have a lot of basketball news. I mean. We're going to first off, we're, we're going to jump in with the first shift, which is that um, University of Idaho, Johnny Hill was an assistant coach last season under Zach Kloss. Johnny Hill has left Idaho. He's an assistant coach at Montana State. Replacing Johnny Hill, we have Jeremy Harden coming over from Wenatchee Valley Community College. who's head coach over there. Wenatchee won the NWAC last year. Uh, we're going to get to other influence that, uh, Jeremy Harden has on the team, but look, I'm going to throw it to Andrew. Andrew, you've got a little bit of background with some of the coaching staff. Uh, when you you heard that Johnny Hill was gone, but Jeremy Harden was coming in, Jeremy Harden with head coaching experience that some of our other guys don't have, what was your reaction? Well, my initial reaction is, you know, as a Vandal is, man, we're losing guys to Montana State. You know, that's, that's a much better job. If, to me, it feels as a Vandal – sideways at best but I know where we are right now but I do like a lot about Jeremy Harden um you know he's been doing NCAA tournament NWAC has so much talent so um you know great offensive mind and who knows if Isaac Jones was part of the package to get him here but that's one guy we can talk about I'm really excited about him but yeah it's it's definitely interesting First question is why? You know, why are teams like Sacramento State, Eastern Washington, who play in glorified rec gems, getting better recruits than us? And I mean, you can make up your own mind, but it is uh, it's it's definitely going to be. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, you can make up your own mind on why, but I think there's certainly a disconnect between the players, the staff, and the athletic department. 
Um, with the transfer portal, we should be in the best position with this new arena to get talent. And that's not happening. So it's clearly something going on where the team is not responding to the coaching staff. So um, I am excited about the new recruits and the new coach. But, yeah, definitely needs a spark around the men's basketball team. And, you know, we've talked about it on Twitter and at, at great length. You know, no extension. The staff stayed. So kind of where, where are we as far as the future of Vandal basketball? And after a $51 million arena – you'd kind of hope it'd be a priority and it doesn't feel that way. Um, so yeah, I mean, overall excited about Harden. I think he's going to bring some D one experience that we don't have a lot of um, just with the staff and um, you know, great guys, you know, high integrity guys, but they're just not seeming like they're responding to the players are responding to them. So hopefully this new group can, can, can have a spark and, Coach Harden with Isaac Jones, who's going to be a stud, um, can can make some change. But no, I think, um, gosh, if they contend for a Big Sky title, I think Claus gets extended, and he's the guy for a while. It's not not far fetched to to imagine that as as weird as it is to say. But I do like this new group of guys. So Harden also, this might be touchy for some Vandals, but just get over it. I think this is good news. Harden used to be director of basketball operations for Leon Rice down at Boise State. Prior to that, he he's from he's from Tucson. Played two seasons at Pima Community College. Uh, also uh, at Pima Community College, he uh, was on their their team won a regional and NJC regional championship. Finished seventh in uh, 2010 in the NJC national championships. Certainly, another recruiting background that we're at that's added is in like the junior college experience. We're going to get to the dudes, at the dude at least, that Harden we know for a fact. Uh, well, we can reasonably say for a fact, but help bring over. But Dallas, um, Alex actually hit on something that I think we have to talk about if we're going to talk about Vandal basketball, which is people are kind of fans are going to. Struggle a little bit. I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Dallas. You're going to talk in a second. I think there's objectively good basketball news we have to talk about, but where we're at with the program, we we still have to sell people on why why you should be invested in the program, don't we? I mean, the 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 joke that I made the second that this news was announced was, "Hey, look, we found our coach for next year because we'll fire all the staff and promote the guy at the end of the bench." So what we did last time and it worked out so well. So. I'm still a little punchy about, about that. And I think most people probably are like, I hear this news. I'm like, Oh, great. This guy's going to do nothing here because I'm shell shocked at how poorly the basketball program has operated the last few years. When you look at the resume, I couldn't be more thrilled with, with a guy like Jeremy Harden. I'm hoping, you know, in say the worst case scenario or best case scenario, depending on who you are, uh, Klaus gets canned at the end of the year. Like Andrew said, there's no there's no contract in place. So if, if he just walks and they have to replace half the staff, Harden is the kind of guy that you want around the program. The guy is hungry to be at this level. Obviously, I think that's why you take a job like this that might have been your only option to go D1. Uh, you you take this kind of job on the, the hope and prayer that you bring something to the table that turns things around. Uh, you know, at WVC, he was 85 and 45. The last five years, I mean, he he knows how to win. He wins a whole lot more than the Vandals have recently. Can I so, hey, jump in real quick, too? Like 12 of those losses are COVID forfeits. 
Oh, see, I didn't even realize that. So yeah, like his record at at Wenatchee is good. So eighty-five and thirty-three, even better. So we 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 brought in a guy who knows how to win. Yes, it's at a different level. Uh, and then we're going to talk about it real quickly. We've we've alluded to Isaac Jones a handful of times now. We'll get into that very shortly. But I couldn't be happier about about bringing Harden onto the staff. Now, if he's going to be here for more than a year, that's we're going to I guess wait and see. But I I couldn't be happier with this right now. Yeah, my my react. Sorry, Andrew, you jumping in? No, I was going to say it seems like the kind of person that could have gotten the head coaching job if it was open. Absolutely agree. Yeah, I mean, look, when Idaho State hired Ryan Looney, initially Ryan Looney brought over Jared Fay from College of Southern Idaho, which uh, I was jealous that Jared Fay was going to Idaho State because I would have taken him in a heartbeat over Zach Kloss. Well, this is a similar dynamic, a guy who regionally successful junior college. He's done what he can at the level he's been at. Th- this is nothing but good news that we have another head coach. By the way, to me, understanding Vendel basketball, it's mostly an order of operations question if you're in terms of getting buy-in from the team. Because I look, everyone who's listening to the show knows exactly how we all feel about Zach Claus. So my take here is look, if Idaho, if there's a version of solid with Zach Claus as the head coach, a couple things have to change that I mean, look, he Zach Claus did recruit these guys, but structurally. I think he. we need to hope that we have a more athletic team. We need to hope that we have a team that can transcend Klaus's limitations. And we need to hope that Klaus can surround himself with guys who he'll he's going to listen to and are going to have a positive influence on the team. Look, Jeremy Harden checks off the boxes he can in terms of adding expertise to the coaching staff. Yeah, if comparing it to football, it sort of feels like you're turning – you know, you hire an offensive coordinator as a head coach over a defensive coordinator. It feels like they clearly need to get a high, fast, modern, athletic offense. It's been so slow the last few years. The only games we've scored a lot of points is the ones where we've been down by a lot and we had to catch up. So I think I think he'll help a lot. And, I mean, not like, you know, 90, 93 points a game in the NWAC, there's a lot of good talent in the NWAC. So that's impressive, let alone, you know, there's – uh, 16 teams in that league. It's not easy to win a championship. Um, a lot of good junior college players. So I think it's all good. The only thing is, you know, you don't like Verlin, but, you know, Claus was – Verlin hired Claus. You don't like Claus, well, Claus hired Harden. So if Harden is the next guy, you know, when does this when does this end? <laughs> yeah, so I'm not going to even just make the jump of Harden, the head coach. It's more like, hey, the, in this year's team – we now have more head coaching experience. Andrew, you brought it up. Harden's teams at Wenatchee scored quite well. Now, Idaho scored better last year than we had previously with Klaus's teams, but efficiency numbers were not fantastic. Well, again, hey, we, we added a guy to our staff who histor- his teams historically have been strong offensively. This is good news. But I want to shift now into talking about the players because we have a essentially a completely – completely new class of guys due to the transfers. And I want to start this off. I'm going to throw it to Andrew because he's a guest of the guys we signed. Who's the biggest surprise to you that they're coming to Moscow? To me, biggest surprise is uh, Devonte Moffitt. You know, I, I think he's definitely a lot of talent, a lot of good experience, uh, but he's definitely a slasher. Uh, you wonder how that's going to translate to big bodies at the D1 level. 
I mean, a lot of his highlights, a lot of his good moves are in traffic with a with a body on him. He's making a fadeaway. He's going under somebody. I don't know if that's going to translate as much at the D1 level. Um, I don't think it's a bad signing. I think he's going to have have some good moments. But, um, yeah, I do worry about that. You know, he's great off the dribble. He's great with the pass. So I think he's going to get some minutes. I think he's going to be in the rotation. I don't see him necessarily starting. Um, but, yeah, that was a little bit surprising to me. I think um, I think the, some of the other grad transfers are a little bit more exciting. But, no, his his – his good moments are good, but yeah, I just don't know if they're gonna to level up to seven footers because the guys he's guys he's going up against here in traffic, spin moving, they're six six posts, six seven posts. So uh, that was a little surprising to me, but yeah, hopefully it pans out. Yeah, so Devonte Moffitt, uh, he's a he's a guard. By the way, he at this point to me is if you're going to pencil someone in as the lead guard, point guard for the team. Uh, Moffitt actually is that is that guy right now in terms of athleticism average 19.3 points per game in two seat each of his seasons at Seattle Pacific University that's division two uh, Dallas uh, sorry Andrew did a good job of running through the tape that we have on Moffitt he's an athlete for sure uh, his run jump athlete his shooting stats as far as like shooting from deep that's just not where he's going to have his impact always a question of course uh, when a D2 guy transfers up, what their impact is. Um, I don't have much else to add right now on Moffitt, other than it's another guy from the like from around the Seattle area. Every program, if they're going to be good, they're going to have to develop their recruitment pipelines. We have a few Seattle dudes or Seattle area dudes on in this class, which I mean, it, like we don't have to talk too much about where people are coming from, but broadly speaking, if we're seeing we're starting to see pipelines, that's not bad news. Dallas, biggest surprise recruit that you that we've signed so far in your mind that's a good question biggest surprise recruit honestly uh, and i know we we were just talking about his coach it's isaac jones that is the biggest surprise to me i am shocked he came to idaho uh i i honestly thought wazoo was the play uh i thought he was going to get a bunch of minutes there uh instead he came to idaho where i think he's going to be the best player on the floor and i don't think it's going to be that close uh just looking at his stat line last year 25.3 points a game, 13.2 rebounds a game, 1.7 blocks a game. He shot 69% from the field because you know most of his shots are right at the rim, but still shot nearly 70% from the field. Actually a pretty good free throw shooter, shot 72% from the line and played about 33 minutes a game. Like absolute workhorse. I think the best player at that level last year. Uh, I'm stunned he came to Idaho. I thought he had bigger and brighter schools, but he came to Idaho maybe to prove he can help turn this team around, which is fantastic. I, I love that you said that, Dallas. One of my notes was every, th every game I watched, he was the best player on the floor. And it was evident. Mm -hmm. I mean, 61 points against Walla Walla. Walla Walla was a 500 team in the NWAC. That wasn't a complete fluke. I mean, 26, a 35 shooting. He, he definitely could take over a game. I think he's a shoe-in to be a starter. And who knows how much, like I said, that, that hiring of Harden played into this. Um, clearly he's fond of the guy who brought him a championship in the NWAC and played with him. So, um, yeah, like, like you said, I was pretty shocked he came to Idaho, but less shocked when I heard about Harden. Um, but yeah, he's, he's going to be pretty good. It, uh, side note about Isaac Jones. He's only played, this was a surprise for me when I learned this. He's only played organized basketball for three years. 
which means like he put 25 points a game up at Wenatchee Valley as a pretty raw prospect. He's more of a, so he's six foot eight post. He can face up. He's a little, he's more comfortable back to the basket, but the athleticism to me is, is part of the excitement here of, yeah, look, he, he has to be able to, he, ha, he looks like he has pretty good touch around the basket. Obviously, shifting to Division One is going to change from junior college, but he has all the tools of an impact post. He has all the tools of a guy who could have who could help us defensively. Now, also, if he's only played organized ball for three years, that means Wenatchee Valley is the ceiling of what he's played at. So we haven't don't know what it looks like against D one guys, but he's uh, he checks the boxes that you would want in a big sky post right now. As in, uh, can hurt you in multiple ways offensively. He's a good run and jump athlete. We're not going to be concerned right from this far away. We're not going to be at all concerned about when Isaac Jones is on the floor, what kind of holes there necessarily are. Whereas like with Philip Pebble last year, Pebble could was a good help side defender, but like, I mean, offensively he was essentially lost. That's not going to be the case with Jones. Agreed. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And sure. I, I love, I love that he, you know, plays 35 minutes a game. That's, that's huge. Yeah, so we okay. Next, next question I've got. Well, I'm going to answer the surprise because I'm actually floored that no one else went this route. So Idaho signs Taryn Frank, six foot eight, two hundred twenty-five pound forward from Vanderbilt University, former four-star recruit, played at Sierra Canyon High School in Los Angeles with guys like Scotty Pippen's kid. His route to Idaho is journeyman-esque. Went to, initially committed to TCU, Big 12 TCU. Didn't play a ton there. Then transferred to SEC Vanderbilt. Didn't play a ton there. That's how he goes from SEC Vanderbilt to Idaho. But the background on Frank, he's going to be a stretch four in the big sky. He can definitely shoot. He can put the ball on the floor. Uh, he he's a, He's a strong run and jump athlete. Prob- might not be quick enough to be playing on the three, but the take the excitement I have now. Last year, Idaho couldn't play two posts together because we didn't have complementary pieces. But we just went over two recruits who can definitely play together. Taryn Frank and Isaac Jones, Andrew, they're going to be able to share the floor. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it, it feels like a more modern approach with with Harden coming in with with posts who can kind of do it all. He's gonna he's gonna fit the mold really well. So. Um, you know, initial thought is, well, yeah, he's going to come here and average 14 points a game and he'll have his fourth team in four years. I'm sure that was your thought as well, but yeah, it's, it's exciting. This is the kind of signing you expect to come out of the ICCU arena. Um, this guy has played at a big level power five conference. He wouldn't, I don't think we would have gotten him unless we had the facilities and he would have saw it, um, as an opportunity for him to shine a little bit. I mean, Two point averaging two points a game um, clearly wasn't the right spot for him either at TCU uh, or Vanderbilt. But I'm excited to see how how he fits this role. But I mean, yeah, looking at this roster, it's very new. But we don't have that you know traditional seven foot big guy that we got used to. It's definitely um, getting more athletic, downsizing um, in the post. So. That is what we've been wanting to see for a while, at least at least me. So um, I think it moves with the trend, and yeah, I'm excited about it. I 
I got to say, I'm, I, I think I agree most with Andrew's statement. The four teams in four years is really what this feels like. I'm actually not that shocked that Idaho landed Taron Frank. Uh, you look at his, he was a former top 200 recruit. Those, those guys usually stick at some sort of mid-major at least, but he went to from TCU to Vanderbilt, so he's playing in the Power Five and got really not a lot of time. At TCU, he played 14 games and had 8.6 minutes a game. Vanderbilt, he did play a lot more. He played 29 games last year, but still only averaged 10 minutes a game. Like It feels like exactly like Andrew said. He's coming to Idaho. There's this great new arena to play in. He's going to play a ton. Like you said, Brian, he, he works really well with Isaac Jones. He's going he's gonna to have every opportunity here that he didn't have at Vanderbilt and TCU to show off what he can do try to go i'm assuming somewhere else for a fourth and final year if maybe he you know maybe he'll be able to graduate early whatever it is i i just don't get the feeling that he's here for the long haul this feels like a quick rebound for him which is fine if he's going to come here and put up a, a great year more power to him if he goes elsewhere i'd love for him to be here a couple years and have two great seasons with the vandals but it it did feel to me like okay hey this is the rehab tour starts here at idaho and then try to get back into some bigger program to finish out your career, but you know, who knows what's going to happen. Look, in my take, my response to that is I'm going to indirectly quote Martin. Look, Idaho has recently been famous for its D2 pipeline, not recruited, not finding gems who come play at Idaho and D2, but having guys who play at Idaho and then there's no D1 home for them because the recruiting class was terrible. And then they end up playing D2. If Taryn Frank, is the beginning of some of some good players using Idaho to get to their next good school. I'm okay with that. that. That's a representative. That's a representative step up for Idaho. So, you know what, if we have a couple guys who do that successfully, then we get a good year out of them. Look that the reality of transfers now is building a program. Isn't done the way it once was. Now there is what teams, the template teams want to have is they want to have their core guys that they keep for a few years but then they want to cycle out five or six guys. So they keep getting to roll the dice with new players, which look, Idaho roll. Idaho had six guys leave the program, then three who exhausted their eligibility. So that's nine spins. That's nine spins. You might say in the recruitment wheel to see if we can get some more guys who hit. That's just, that's just how recruitment is going to look. And especially in the big sky. So look, if we, if Idaho becomes a place where power five guys come and it works out, I'm cool with that. Before, We've talked about Jones. We've talked about Taron Frank. We've talked about D. Moffitt, Andrew. We also have a – that means we've also talked about mo most of the posts we've had. Any guards other than D. Moffitt, Andrew, that when you you look at the roster, you you now think, okay, this uh, this is a guy who's going to be – we're going to see good some solid box score numbers, or this is a candidate to replace some of Mikey Dixon's scoring. I think I like Trey Smith a lot. He he feels like the type of player you have to have on a winning team. Um, you know, I, he might not fill the box score necessarily like you just mentioned, but he's a great shooter. He's experienced. His numbers have gone up every single year. Um, he started every game at San Jose, San Jose State last year. So I think he'll be in the mix for sure. Um, I'm excited about him a lot. Um, you know, I'd like to see if um, – you know, I, I do like Yusuf Sali too. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna be in the mix. I know he's not a new player, obviously, but no, I'm excited about him. And um, 
Yeah, there's a lot of competition there with Titus Year out. I don't think they're going to redshirt him. At least they shouldn't. In this climate of transfer portal, I think he could could land somewhere else. But going back really quick to what you said, Brian, was, you know, in this climate, especially men's basketball, if people transferring so often, you're kind of getting a new chance to recruit every year. It's not like a four-year string, essentially, of, hey, we had a bad class that's going to haunt us forever. So, it's getting to the point where it's kind of an indictment on what's going on, what's going on with the, with the recruiting. Why aren't people coming here? Um, so yeah, no, I, uh, w- what do you think uh, who's your favorite guard? So j- mine is Dom Ford right now, but just a little bit more on Trey Smith. He he's more, he's a three and D kind of player. So Andrew, you talked about w- the way you described if Trey Smith actualizes, if he works out, he is he is going to be one of those guys who, look, I know has to get better defensively, and a lot of that's going to be schematic. That's another thing to hang your hat on having Jeremy Harden over here, that maybe Jeremy Harden will help with defensive strategy because Zach Kloss is certainly an over his head. But um, Trey Smith coming over from San Jose State. San Jose State had a – I mean, they're 117 in the Mountain West, so, like, they were not good. But good teams need guys who don't need to shoot a 1,000 times and play defense. Uh, that's the kind of player Trey Smith profiles at if he's if he's going to see minutes in Idaho. Dominic uh, Dom Ford, Dominic Ford. He's a he's transferred from Southern Nevada. It's a community college. He's a guy who I think is pretty dang intriguing. He can certainly score the ball. Uh, he he averaged was it Dallas? Uh, t- he averaged twenty was it twenty or eighteen his sophomore year at South, uh, South Nevada. 18 points a game in 22.9 minutes. Yeah, 22.9 minutes. And but and South Southern Nevada, I have now rotated between South and Southern. I don't care. They are coached by a guy who had a slow it down offense, which is kind of weird for junior college. But the reason I bring that up is dude is averaging 18 points in 22 minutes in the slow it down offense. Uh that is a that's a guy to pay attention to. He He's a guy who can score from deep score. He can score from mid range. He, he he put the ball on the floor. Look, I'm not saying he's Mikey Dixon, but he's going to if if Dom Ford actualizes, he's going to replace a lot of the production that we got used to out of Mikey Dixon. Which I, I mean, I am I think this team the scoring distribution is going to be very different. It's not just going to be two guards and then you know, and Tanner last year would put up like you know his ten or so, and that was. You know, the major, and then after that, you were kind of curious game in, game out, who is going to be scoring. Uh, if this team is better, it's probably going to be a little bit more evenly distributed amongst our posts and guards. And at the guard spot, Dallas, Dom Ford's a guy who I think certainly has a chance to put up some points in Moscow. I, I would completely agree with that. His, his slash lines are insane. Uh, his freshman year, 475, 429, 796. And then uh, last year, 404, 377, 784. For anybody that's not a crazy basketball nerd, the, the stats I just read off were field goal percentage, three-point percentage, free throw line. So he shot, in the last two years, he shot 43% and 37% from beyond the arc. So at, at bare minimum, he can shoot. And that's that's huge. But again, we're talking 18 points in 23 minutes like in a slowdown offense. This guy could be the next Mikey Dixon. He could come in and immediately just be the best scorer on the team and and prove that he needs more minutes than anybody else. He could also come in and the shot might not work and he might be the, the seventh or eighth guy on the bench. But what we're talking about here is a bunch of guards that that all seem to kind of work together and 
I, you guys have actually made me excited for basketball this year, and I didn't think that was ever going to happen. So thank you both. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, the thing I'm going to jump in real quick and then throw it right back to you, Andrew, is, look, we are the fairest show on the planet in that we react to information. Klaus gave us two cluster-fuckingly bad years, and we described them accurately. This recruiting class looks a lot more athletic than the last the last team that we had. So you can all, you can look at the roster that we have coming in and look, the guys have to actually play in the games. We have to get actual production once the season starts. I don't feel like I'm talking myself into feeling like there should be some enthusiasm for this roster. Like you, know, we, you just talked about with Dom Ford, real good shooting stats. We already talked about some of the other guys we're stoked about. This team, look, if, if this team's going to be good, we need to transcend some of Zach Claus's limitations. If we're much more athletic, much more talented, that takes care of a lot of those. By the way, not every coach is going to be a genius about their about their scheme. Some coaches, like a John Calipari, not that that's Claus. Their strength is their is that they get real good athletes who get out and play. Southern Utah has done this in the Big Sky for a while, and that they recruit good athletes and then they roll the ball out and play offensively. That might be Idaho's route. Andrew. Throwing it back to you, we just talked about Don Ford for a while. Any other dudes on the list that you you want to you want us to spend a minute on, or uh, I mean, help? Yeah, you 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 foreshadowed it perfectly. I wanted to talk a little bit. I don't know if he'll get a lot of minutes, but alluding to your point of getting winners, athletes, uh, Mikhail Abdul Hamid, his film was really impressive. I mean, he was on. Um, state championship team had d1 players as his teammates and kind of gave me some he's a little bit shorter but gave me some steven madsen vibes um you know not the best player on his high school team won a state championship kind of we kind of stole him is what it feels like to me um but yeah i mean from his junior year to senior year his his shot looked a lot better he looked like he got in better shape um but i'm excited about him i think he's someone that if we can keep on campus for two, three years, could really be, uh, you know, an all-conference type player. I really am excited about him. Um, and, yeah, obviously love the, the competition he's gone up against has been elite. So, um, yeah, excited about him for sure. And there's a, the, guard, the guard competition is going to be tough for playing time. There's going to be one or two guys that I like who probably won't get a lot of minutes. I, I want to follow up on Mikhail Abdul-Hamid because I think Andrew's point about the other D1 players, I think we need to, to fully explain this for our listeners. So their top scorer, Rob Martin, has offers from St. Louis, Indiana State, and Louisiana Monroe. Their second leading scorer, Larry Hughes Jr., committed to St. Louis. Their third leading scorer is named John Bowl. He's a sophomore who already has an offer from Juwan Howard at Michigan in addition to offers from Illinois and Butler and Missouri and Kansas State and a bunch of other places. And then their sixth leading scorer ended up committing to be an outside linebacker at Western Illinois. So there are four other guys with D1 scholarships at this school. So Abdul Hamid averaged seven points a game his senior season. It, it, it does really feel like the Steven Madison thing of there's an NBA caliber guy on Steven Madison's high school team. Of course, he's not going to be the guy blowing everybody away. We could have a steal here. He could also be redshirted and never see the floor here and transfer elsewhere. But, I mean, this is, again, just throwing darts at things, hoping that this guy is going to be this incredible Hail Mary card because he played with so many other guys that he didn't need to score a bunch. He didn't need to do a lot other than play decent defense and make a couple shots. 
when you've got four other guys committed as D1 college athletes somewhere. Yeah, and they blew out a lot of teams. So, mm-hmm. yeah, take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. Yeah, his – so now this is a this is the one part of his skill set that's kind of weird to understand. It says his high school shooting numbers are not fantastic, but if you look at his tape, he has a – like he clearly is a shooter. He clearly understands himself to be a shooter. His AAU shooting number shooting numbers, uh, they're they're good. It's like above forty percent from three. High school is different, so I I don't know. To me, he's kind of like the mystery guy. Of is it is it just hard being like the sixth option on a really good high school team to you know get the kind of rhythm where like you know he's not. We'll, we'll talk about Titus Year out in a second, but Titus Year out at Lapway, you know White Pine League in Idaho, he's getting. He's getting as many touches as he could possibly want. Well, that's that's not Mikhail's background coming from the school he's at. So to me, he's kind of our biggest mystery guy. Uh, second biggest mystery guy to me is Titus Year out. Player of the year in Idaho. Looks like a strong athlete. The reason he's a mystery to me, not isn't it's simply that he played in a really small high school. And he did everything he could at that high school level to be considered a D1 athlete, obviously. Uh, player of the year in the state. Team won multiple state championships, but the jump from, you know, what Idaho one, a class B, whatever it was to big sky is, is quite a jump. Uh, and also I just don't think Zach Kloss playing, you know, coaching for his life is going to dive head first into freshman point guard if he doesn't have to, but Andrew, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if you have a different feeling. Or really I, I mean, I generally feel just the same way, especially because, I mean, a lot of the reason he's probably at Idaho is is because it's Idaho. It's right down the road. Uh, you know, locals saw what he did. Um, not that this is the reason, but kind of replaces the the old uh, – places Gabe Quinette as the, as the resident, you know, uh, Palouse Vandal. So, yeah, I don't, I don't see him leaving necessarily after a year or two. So it's probably not, like you said, um, going to be advantageous for Claus to risk his last chance at a, at a college coaching job on a freshman down the road from Idaho. He doesn't – it doesn't make sense. You're totally right. But if he shocks us and he's, you know, like uh, Trayvon Allen, then put him in the lineup. He's got the – he has the athleticism to understand how he's in the discussion to play. But the freshman thing, Dallas, to me is – it makes him an it's intriguing, but I'm I'm not going to gamble and say like, hey, I 100% think Titus year out is going to start. I'd love if he it, look if he earns a spot and he kicks ass, sweet. This far away, I just don't think the future of Zach Kloss's career is going to be dictated by a uh, freshman guard on this roster. I would agree with that. Um, now, if you look back last year, Lapway went undefeated, 27 and 0. They ended up beating Cordelaine. Uh, Lewiston, uh, I think Clarkston and North Central from Spokane. So they, they beat a bunch of like le- of legitimately like 4A, 5A teams from Coeur d'Alene and Spokane. Like the kid has played up to much higher talent than what he gets in the White Pine League. However, like you said, true freshman coming in, I cannot imagine that things are going to get pinned on him. I mean, maybe he comes in and, and blows the doors off, but we just talked about D Moffat. We talked about Trey Smith. We talked about Dom Ford. Like, there are three guards. I mean, Trey Smith, uh, you know, who knows what we're going to get with him, but we, Devontae Moffat and Dom Ford both fill up the stat sheet the same way that, uh, that Titus Rowe has, and they did it at different levels. They've done it at, at 
levels much closer to the to this level of the game. So I would love for Euro to come in here and just blow everyone away and show that it doesn't matter that he comes from Lapwai, that he's he is one of the best players around and he absolutely deserves to be a starting guard in the big sky. I don't know if we're gonna see that his freshman year. That, that's not I, necessarily I think, I think the only I think the only way we do see it is I mean kind of like Connor Hill coming from Post Falls High School. He was supposed to redshirt his freshman year, came in lit it up in the practice gym, got minutes his freshman year, and then start, it started actually the second half of his freshman year and then the last three years. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's have an open mind about it. But, yeah, he definitely has to come prove himself. I agree. The other reason why I'm just going to be cautious, and I'm really hoping this doesn't sound like shade. I'm happy with this signing. I like it. I like that we got Idaho's player of the year. I think it's it's a good story, and he has the athleticism to understand why he was signed in the first place. That's the big one to me. The athleticism is there. It's just hard to in, to interpret the lower high school level jump. I mean, look, Ethan Kilgore averaged like twenty six points a game in Missouri, and then look, I mean, Ethan Kilgore. We're glad he was here, but clearly there's a reason he transferred out and went D two. So, not saying that's going to be year out situation because it's different player, different skill set, different athleticism. But um, right now, that's that's why he's my he's kind of an intriguing story to me is to see how he fits in because he does have like Dallas said, it's just there's nothing he can do about it. This is the background Titus Yacht has. He's done what he needs to to uh, be to be a guy that we're interested in. But uh, you know, hey, it's a big step. Last couple guys to go over: uh, Nigel Burris. He's coming to Idaho. He, he just he he's our third post and look. We now have three posts who look pretty pretty athletic right now, where they're much better overall run-jump athletes than our collections of posts was last season. Uh, Nigel, Bur- Nigel Burris played prep school. He, Based on his tape, he's a back-to-the-basket guy, uh, or also mostly lots of his points are coming in real close. Has a little bit of a shot, but he might be more like Isaac Jones, that you know range is more like 15-ish feet. He's not... He's not Taryn Frank, who's going to be hitting threes. But uh, at worst-case scenario, Burris is a third post who look, who has the athleticism to justify playing the big sky. We didn't have three posts who did that last season, Andrew. So uh, I can't extrapolate too much more from Burris just because I, I don't know enough about prep school basketball, but I'm happy that we got another athlete. And I'm just un- unrelated. I've, I've heard people tell me that Burris – and his athleticism with his six, seven size. Uh, there's reason to look at him as a fir- either first post, probably a first post off the bench at this point. Yeah. And he handles the ball pretty well for his size. So again, it fits that mold of, you know, taller, faster, skinnier guys who can run the floor, jump, dribble, pass, kind of do everything. Kind of like what we're seeing in the NBA. So um, I mentioned it before, but I'm happy to see the team going in this direction um, but yeah, his athleticism definitely does blow you away, and uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he gets into the rotation at all. Or, um, but I think it's more likely comparison. I think it's more likely that he plays than year out if we're just comparing true freshman to true, fre- true freshman, uh, just because of his athleticism alone. But uh, yeah, he might be a guy who can, you know, bring the bring the bring the ball down the floor um, and kind of switch up the the look that the defense gets. Well, and I think it's it's worth noting that Nigel Burris ended up uh, turning down Cal Poly, Montana, San Jose State, and UC Santa Barbara to come here. So he had 
he had a handful of other division one offers and came here. This wasn't like some lifeline that he received and it was his only D one offer. Like he turned down other big sky schools to come here. So there are at least other schools in this league that, that think the same of him uh, that he deserved a roster spot on, on squads that are, I mean, Montana's a better squad than us. I hate saying it out loud, but Montana, Montana thought he was good enough to play there. If Montana thinks he can play there, I'm sure he's going to be able to come off the bench for us and, and play well. Last last guy we have to talk about in the new recruiting class is Tyler Halligan. And full disclosure, I know nothing about him other than that Halligan is a walk-on. Uh, glad to have him on the team, but of course, like we talked about earlier, a walk-on at this point. Just don't expect that's what, that Kloss is going to have his future dictated off the uh, results of a walk-on on the team. But hey, Halligan's the last vandal we have. Uh, kind of to close out the past. I do have one note on Tyler Halligan. His mom is Creighton University's all-time leading scorer in women's basketball. So the genes are good. We don't know a whole lot about him. I can I can pull up his averages through his high school career. Didn't really find a whole lot of tape on him. Obviously, Martin's got his hype video up, but it's in his genes. Basketball is a basketball is in his family. So at the bare minimum, he's going to be a brilliant kid to have on the bench. Well, first question, of course, is does his mom have eligibility left? But uh, before, so look, we've talked about the class. The one of the lingering questions that we can't answer today, Andrew, is look, if Idaho is going to be good or if Idaho is going to be okay, we cannot be catastrophically awful on defense. We know nothing about that shift yet based off the guys we signed because we have to see them play as a unit. Plus we have to see if Kloss has improved his defensive uh, strategies and you know, like having actual health defense, which we virtually did not have for a lot of last season. Yeah. But on paper, that's all we can talk about. If I know it's going to be okay, we have to be able to transcend the, the current limitations. One of the things that can do that is athletic help teams do that is athleticism and Andrew, I think like the jury's in. This is certainly a more athletic group of guys than last season. Yeah, this is. Uh, you could see the improvement from COVID year to last year. You can even see it in, in the recruits this year. So uh, it does more look like that comment by Colin Hughes was, was perfect. It looks like these guys are supposed to be playing D one basketball. Um, they have played. They have experience, and it looks like the type of team that Claus put together knowing he's got one more year left. And I mean, even if he didn't have one more year left, the fan base is fed up enough that it might as well feel like he has one more year left. So um, I'm excited about where the team's going to go. I don't know if I, I see contention on this team as far as, you know, I think they could get to a 500. Um, Anything above that would be a bonus, but um, I'd just love to win a, a Big Sky tournament game again. It's been such a long time. <laughs> well, yeah, and we're in Boise. We Idaho should have de facto home court advantage in in Big Sky tournament, and Idaho has exactly zero wins in the Big Sky tournament since it's been held in Boise. Yeah, um, Dallas, throwing it back to you. Your look again. <laughs> on the same train that Andrew is talking about. If, if this is going to change, look, we have athleticism that's changed. Uh, what else in your mind, 
what else do your mind has to keep? Ha, do you need to be seeing out of this group of guys to keep the buy-in? Because look, I mean, we're we're not gonna be able to talk about this team without addressing the elephant in the room every single time we talk, like Andrew did, like I've done a hundred times. The fan base does not have faith in Zach Loss because until proven otherwise, otherwise we should not. But again, this group of guys needs to be understood independently of the last group. The other guys did not commit the sins of the last roster. The other guy, the the new roster has not has not shown like a complete inability to play defense. Uh, we has not shown like a inefficient but like okay offensive volume because of possessions. These guys need to have their own. These guys need to be understood still as their own unit. How do you square that circle right now? I I don't know if you can is the problem. Uh, I look at this roster that's been put together and I. I have some question marks about it, but for the most part, I look at the roster and I think this is a this is a team that honestly should win more games than they lose in the Big Sky Conference. Maybe maybe contend for top four, top five in the conference. And every night should be competing for victories. The problem is none of us believe in the head coach. So it, it's it's tough for me to say, yeah, this team's gonna be a whole lot better than last year, because we we just don't know. We don't know if if Klaus is going to come out there and roll out the the Dean Smith four corners offense. Like last year's team played so much differently than the team before that. I can't I can't tell you all of these guys are going to be used in the correct way. I just can't. I wish I could, but I I, I truly can't. And so it, it's very hard for me to grasp. This is a brand new roster, a bunch of kids that deserve the benefit of the doubt and should not be hearing any negative things from us about how terrible the program's been. These are all new kids that have nothing to do with it. However, history tells me this is probably still not going to be enough to turn this this thing around. So I'm going to continue to say this is an order of operations issue. You need to accept up front that you do not yet ex- you don't buy into Zach Kloss yet. If up front you don't accept you do not buy into Zach Kloss, what has to be there? Well, we need a more athletic team. Hey, we got it. We need a a team that looks more talented at certainly on the offensive end because we're not until we see otherwise, this isn't Idaho's not going to win games by shutting teams down. We're going to have to put put points up. Well, look, we we have guys who can get, look like they can get out and run. The question for me is is going to always be right now: Can we play enough defense? And if Idaho's good, this this might be kind of a weird way to understand it, Andrew. Rashad Smith was a solid Big Sky player last year. He was not an All League Big Sky player. If we've recruited enough guys that Rashad Smith comes off the bench, you should be stoked for this upcoming team. If that's the barometer, then I, I don't. Maybe I'm not as excited as I thought because I, I do think he's going to be a, a big part of the team. Um, I, I liked his game. I liked his his intensity. Um, I mean, you could see how he could affect his teammates' mood throughout the game. So, um, I mean, I. There's a lot of guards, like I said. There's going to be a couple of guys that I like that that don't make it on. And um, yeah, I think Rashad Smith. I mean, from what I know, he sort of had to stay. Um, complicated with his eligibility, um, he didn't have a lot of options. So who knows how he is feeling about his situation? But is just talking about his game alone. Um, if you were to make me give you a starting lineup, he'd be in it for me today. Um, but that, just to go back a little bit about what you said is that I'm excited to watch this year a little bit more than previous years. Is there's, Like I said, there's a little bit of sense of urgency 
um, because I mean, these guys are literally fighting for their careers. So, um, and you only get so many chances to build a new arena and capitalize on that honeymoon phase, which they obviously, with COVID, to be fair, didn't do a great job of. But, um, I mean, that arena, it feels like, you know, respect to everyone at the university, it feels like it's going to waste. I mean, they use it for a couple of recruiting, uh, recruiting visits, um, concerts of people you've never heard of. Um, I mean, I defended that thing vigorously for years, and I kind of regret it now because I'm not seeing the objective. Was it to win basketball games? Was it to make campus look better? Was it to boost the student experience? Because none of that's happened yet. Um, that's just kind of my own personal beef with it. But yeah, someone who every time a faculty staff member would say, how are we waste, how are anyone wasting money on a basketball arena? I was the first one to defend it. But they've got to have some sense of urgency. It's not, it's almost not right to do that at a university where everything's being cut to not put your heart and soul into basketball because that's what you told everyone. You wanted to be the Gonzaga of the big sky and, and compete with Boise State again on that level. So that's just my little frustration as we kind of, as we kind of wind down. But that's the reason why I feel like something's got to happen soon as far as winning games. Well, look, I think you're, you're a hundred percent right. And like, Andrew, you just echoed what I think everyone here is not just here. I mean, Vandal fans, basketball fans, our feeling is when, look, when do we get out of the dumpster and be excited about this? When, when does the arena become the asset we've been told it is going to be? Cause you're right. Like the, I've talked about this on the show too. The arena is a draw for two years. We're already through one of them. Now it'll be, a, it could be a draw for recruits for a long time, but in terms of like bringing eyes to the program, it's not going to be something people are talking about in two seasons. Like Portland state has a new gym. People talk about it for a year or so. Now it's okay. What in God's God's name is going on in Portland for basketball, for basketball. Idaho is the same way. Um, I just think we're, when I referenced Rashad Smith does not put down Rashad Smith because everything you said about him is correct. He's a good player. he, if Idaho is going to be solid, we have to be in a position where a guy who is a good play on our, player on our team last year, our not good team last year, needs to not be the focal point of our offense, needs to not be a guy who fans are expecting this is where we get 20 points a game. We we already talked about in football. We got a quarterback transfer. The whole point of getting quarterback transfers is to compete to outplay your already the recruits you already have. Same thing with basketball. It's just uh, the, the look. We're not going to resolve this on this show, man. It's just the the dichotomy is going to continue until Zach Claus proves that Terry Golick was right in keeping him. But I really, I'm always going to understand that part up front, and then shift to if we're going to be okay, what's that got to look like? We have some athletes on this team. We have some guys who I'm surprised that we landed. Fingers crossed. Now between today and September, early October to see how this gels Dallas. I mean, I just did a quick scroll through this roster and just kind of clicked through everybody. And it is, it is baffling to me. I was not, I was not thrilled that we lost almost all of last year's team. I was kind of stunned by it. And I still kind of am because again, most of those were Colossus guys. So the, the vibe we got from the athletic department was Klaus needs more time to, to recruit and build a program. Well, all the guys that left were pretty much his guys anyway. So what is this? A uh, he needs more time because those guys weren't good enough. 
Is it he didn't do a good job before and now he's going to do a good job? Like it, it, it felt so just disjointed. It made no sense. But now you look at this roster and it's like, wow, okay, you know, there, there are some dudes here. Like this, this should be a good team or at least a, a, a better than mediocre team, which we haven't had in God knows how long. But man, until, until we have the head coach thing figured out, this is all just speculation. This team can come out here and look just as bad as the team two years ago. They're not going to look as bad as the team two years ago. I regret saying that. There's no way they're going to look that bad. But we could see the same problems of, okay, well, what are they doing on the defensive end? There's there is the game plan for three guards to stand there with a hand in the air, three feet away from their guy, and, and hope that somehow they're going to block the shot because that's what it looks like three-fourths of the game and everybody's standing around not doing anything. I, I can't... I can't make this coexist in my brain that I'm so disinterested in the head coach and the performance he's had so far while also trying to reason with this is a good roster. I would be thrilled to have this roster. If uh, if you didn't know who the coach was and you just saw this roster and you thought this is our team, like, okay, this is a good big sky team. This is going to be competitive. We have no idea. Yeah, that's look. That's that's the issue. You hit on it. We're going to eventually stop saying it because there, we're kind of in the spin cycle here. Of every time we talk about basketball, it's a combination of people don't accept Klaus as a legitimate coach. People, most people weren't happy with the appointment, and it's he certainly hasn't changed hearts and minds since. But we've got we look on paper like we have more talent this year. More talent should win us more games. We also might find out next season if. Like if these guys actualize the way some of them look like they could, look, our reaction might be, look, last season, we were still experiencing basketball Stockholm syndrome because of the year before. We're seeing the presence of a handful of D1 guys made us excited. Well, if we've got an entire team of D1 guys, the, that to me is justification for wanting to pay more attention to this team, wanting to buy tickets to go to games, wanting, like Andrew said, um, ICCU to become like an, an event to me, there's now justification there to explain why I might go buy tickets, but uh, I'm like everyone else on the show already. Uh, there's a lot of apprehension about the guy up top. It's not about the, the roster right now. It's about the guy, the guy called plays on the sideline. Fingers crossed to Andrew for, for one last, one last take fingers crossed that we have the talent to transcend the limitations. Cause that's going to be, it'll be a player led team to me that wins. It's not going to be that or Harden has a freakish impact that is uh, hard to explain from this far away. Yeah. A little bit. I mean, when you, you get 10 new players, 10 new personalities from 10 different areas, a little bit is luck, you know, that they get along that, that they're similar personalities that, because, I mean, it doesn't feel like it's been that way the last two years. Even though last year's team was a little bit more talented. And as you said, Brian, you could kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel on certain moments of games. Um, but, yeah, I, I overall, it's, it, it's a do-or-die year. And either way, that's going to be exciting to watch. Whether we're 2-14 and 14 or, you know, 14-2 and two going into the end of the season, at least we're going to know what happens next year. Um, it's pretty self-explanatory. If it's a tough year, we're going to have a new staff. If he kills it, then great. He's going to get an extension. Maybe it just didn't work out through COVID, and we were wrong the whole time. So um, that's me being really optimistic as a Vandal fan, and I, I hope that's the case. Um, but 
to be fair, it is trending. Uh, you know, from from 2020, it is trending a little bit, and um, yeah, ho- hopefully we get some wins, get some people in there, and uh, university does a good job of you know creating some ex- excitement um, on campus. Yeah, Andrew, we're gonna we're gonna call that good. I again, we we're not gonna get answers until the season starts for sure. I just, the thing I'm going to implore people, and I might sound like Mr. Sunshine and Rainbows for a second. I'm not. You guys who've listened to the show understand. That's not who I am. I really think you got to give the new roster a shot before we get too frustrated about the team. Plus, now we get the actual excitement. We're going to, we have football season coming up, guys. This is going to cook in the oven for a while. And then we're going to see, then we'll get to see the, the team actually go out there. From this point on, we're probably not going to talk about basketball for a while. And we'll let everyone know a recording schedule later on, because full disclosure, we don't have one off the top of our heads right now. It's not going to be My last point, since uh, this is my first time here, I'm not a fire the coach guy all the time. I was in the minority, as happy I am with the new staff. I was pro Paul Petrino, so... Um, not a heat of the moment type person, and I'm trying not to get that way with basketball. Um, but I think we all know this is the last year, so um, that's the last thing I'll say. <laughs> and Andrew, really, really bringing back the some some, some bad throw- memories, man. Yeah, oh man, because I was we, the only one. Yeah, I know. We, you know what, Andrew? That's okay. Like people get to feel different about it, and I respect it. I'm not. No, I I understood or respect everyone's opinion about it. I just want people, the listeners to know that I'm not Mr. Fire every coach guy. Yeah, correct, exactly. So uh, look, we're gonna we're gonna close the show down. Martin, you've been in the shadows. Anything you want to throw in before we call it a night? Nope it's it's nice to hear you guys be the potential positive power coming for the men's basketball team. I don't even feel positive, man. It's just like, <laughs> look, the guys look good. The new new guys look good. We got to give them a shot. I understand the apprehension. I have the same apprehension, but I also have way more excitement today than I did about the team a month ago. I I mean, if we start two and zero, imagine how excited we're going to be. We're going to start planning our trip to Boise. So, I mean, yeah, I I think we've teed it up pretty good. Yeah. All right. Well. Uh, listeners, we will give you a recording schedule later. We do not have it today. Uh, we typically ask a reversal question, but Andrew, we'll just do that next time you're on the show, man. We got to okay. call it a night. We're an hour 15. Minutes. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Andrew Lamy, live from you, you in Montana yet? I'm in, in Montana. Live from Anaconda. Otherwise, everyone, thanks for coming. Sponsored by Hughes River. Martin's going to cut me off whenever. Right, hold on. Don't, Martin, you can't cut this yet because. Patty is being kind of coy in the chat. Who would like to announce it live, live on tubs at the club? Who's making the announcement here? Cause Patty's not going to do it. I feel like Dallas, you should do it. All right. I'm going to do it. Tubs at the club family. Hashtag only tubs crew. We did it. Patrick Ferks committed to the university of Idaho and said, fuck them. Eags. Fuck Cheney. That place is hell. That turf is disgusting. Vandals forever. That's what he said. I have it in writing. I'll go pull the letter right here. Patrick Ferks is a vandal. He said no more eggs. Yeah, pa- yeah. Patrick's a vandal. We have the commitment. Com- uh, College of Natural Resources, I believe. Science and Natural Resources. But uh, reason I bring this up. Hey, uh, University of Idaho Recruitment Office. You're welcome 
for the effort on Tubbs the Club. Patrick Stoke to have you as a vandal. I'm done talking. Martin, we're going to play us out with whatever the hell you want. Go Vans. Go Vandals. Thanks. Go raise your glass and have a drink with me. Here's to the Vandals and the craft. I'll just out there living the dream. Part of one and only Moscow drink.